Spending Down Trust, Bitcoin Tech Talk, issue number 257. As always, you can find my uh, Substack on jimmysong.substack.com. You can get a newsletter every Monday into your inbox at 9 a.m. This is the audio version if you so prefer. Trust is a weird thing. We in Bitcoin preach that you should aim for trustless systems. And indeed, that's what Bitcoin offers. It's a monetary system that's trustless as far as people go. You still have to trust deterministic code now. That's a distinguishing feature and why it's decentralized. At the same time, trust is also a big component of what makes civilization run. If you thought your neighbor might try to steal your stuff on a daily basis, you'd spend a lot more time, money, and effort defending your property. That's generally not a produ productive use of capital as it's really only spent to deter bad behavior and doesn't add any new goods or services. You can see this in poor neighborhoods where money is spent on iron bars and alarm systems rather than dryers or better stoves. The sad thing is that this is a big drain on resources in places that can least afford it. Many cities in Africa have homes which have large walls and security systems. This is because there's a distinct lack of trust which results in defense spending than in creation of new goods and services. Of course, that's by no means the only example. Entire countries spend insane amounts of money on defense, particularly in nuclear weapons capability. This is all productive capacity that essentially gets wasted as a result of international lack of trust. A society that's got a lot of trust built in tends to build up civilization very quickly. As Rahim pointed out on my podcast this past week, the post-World War II buildup of Europe and East Asia are the result of the high-trust societies that were able to put most of their productive capacity to rebuilding instead of defense. Those were societies that were bankrupt financially, but still had a lot of capital to draw on in terms of trust. Note that trust, particularly societal trust, is not an easy thing to build up. It usually takes hundreds of years of culture and moral identity to really form the bonds that build that trust. Trust, in other words, is hard to form, especially at the societal level. What's worse, much of that historical identity is being lost in most of these places and the trust level is being lowered. The trend is currently an overall reduction of trust. Governments all over the world are abusing trust in all sorts of ways. We've been told conflicting things about COVID the past 18 months, often from the same people. We're finding out that our leaders have not just been embezzling and stealing, but that they're being accused of some morally unspeakable things. Underlying all this is the power to expand the money supply, which is a direct violation of property rights of the most liquid property everyone has. In other words, governments all over the world are testing the trust structure of their people by spending it down. The result is what we've been seeing all over the world. Protests from people that clearly understand themselves to be outside the powerful groups that control things. This is happening both on the left and right, as they realize the people in control are abusing the trust that they've been entrusted with. The post-apocalyptic movies have it wrong. What causes societal degeneracy is not a deprivation of technology, but a deprivation of trust. Governments have unwittingly and maliciously undermined the units of that trust, like families, churches, and community organizations. The political usurpations of all of them have sucked dry the trust structures that have traditionally been embedded in them. 
This is the part of the article where you're probably expecting me to pitch that Bitcoin fixes this. And while I certainly believe that Bitcoin removes the need for trust and money, that's not enough to reverse the overall trend. Trust requires deep, meaningful relationships, often economic, though not exclusively, between lots of actors, and that's not a short-term fix. There's likely to be some chaos, possibly revolution, as the trust gets spent down. In other words, Bitcoin is just one part of the battle that we're going to have to, and we're going to have to think long and hard about rebuilding societal trust if and when societal collapse happens. So I wrote this article thinking about trust after my really uh, interesting uh, interview with Rahim. Uh, and you can check that out later um, as part of this podcast. Um, but he he pointed out that trust is a capital good, that it's something that you can store up and use, um, but that sometimes it gets spent down by governments. And essentially, every time they lie to you, they're spending down their trust. You can think of trust as like sort of like a, you know, a piggy bank of uh, credibility that somebody has. Um, and our governments naturally have a lot of it because they uh, they draw on the credibility of the entire societal structure. Um, and, you know, like they can spend that as as easily as they can spend you know money that is created out of nothing. And unfortunately, um, it looks like a lot of governments around the world are spending that down. Uh, you know, Australia is getting absolutely crazy. Um, but there are other societies that naturally have lower trust, and that's probably why the civilizations there aren't building uh, nearly as fast is because when you lack trust, it's it, that's kind of what happens. Uh, now, Bitcoin is good in the sense that it, it does sort of obviate the need for trust, at least when it comes to money and especially when it comes to inflation. Um, but that's not enough. You need a lot more trust in order to build up civilization. And this is where I think we have to think a lot harder about what we're going to do after this sort of collapse comes. Uh, how do we rebuild that trust? How do we get people to trust each other again? And how do we uh, you know, redefine these relationships so that it makes sense? All right, let's talk about Bitcoin. AJ Towns proposes a different way to do covenants. The essential idea is to have two new opcodes, Tapleaf Update Verify, TLUV, which is a way to update taproot Merkle trees by trimming a leaf. In a sense, this opcode lets you verify that a taproot tree is the same other than the leaf that's being used. Combined with another opcode, in-out-amount, which checks that the amounts in the input and output are essentially reduced by a specific amount, this gives some very interesting abilities. The most interesting example from his description is a huge taproot tree where, all, where the funds can all be stored and each individual can extract their portion. Covenants definitely change things significantly and add a lot more use cases. I thought, for example, uh, I thought the example AJ gave was one of the best examples of usage and perhaps a way to scale. So, um, you know, AJ describes it a lot better than I did, but basically you can have uh, sort of this uber collaborative custody. So you can have, you know, a large group of people pool their money into a single UTXO with a very large taproot tree. Um, and each time a leaf gets spent uh, and, you know, that leaf has exactly the amount that the person is allowed to draw withdraw, 
um, it, you can use this covenant or TLUV to make it so that the output has to be uh, short that exact amount and uh, you know the rest of the tree is unaffected in, in, in which case everybody else that has amounts in that particular ETX can do the same thing. So I thought it was really interesting from a scaling perspective because in a sense, you can have one UTXO represent nearly infinite amounts of uh, other, uh, you know, people that actually have saved. And, um, you know, you could you could have some sort of like co-op or collaborative custody kind of model um, where anyone can take out their portion at any time, but you don't need your own UTXO and you can sort of like have a much larger anonymity set in which to do it. And you could probably do something in reverse taproot Tap, uh, uh, well, actually, I'm not sure if you can do it in reverse, but at, at the very least, you can combine a whole bunch of them at once and, and so on. Um, and it allows for that. Uh, very interesting stuff. It's uh, obviously uh, sort of, uh, uh, um, you know, goes a counter to something like OptiCTV, which Jeremy Rubin has been uh, going for. So um, there are two competing things for covenants. Uh, but yeah, really interesting. All right, Summer of Code is a program sponsored by Square to get more developers into Bitcoin. They trained a lot of coders from India over the summer and is modeled after the Google Summer of Code. The ostensible reason for the program, as the post shows, is to get more developers into the Bitcoin ecosystem. This is a great, this is some great content, and I highly recommend developers and interested students to apply for next year. So, uh, really good content and the ostensible reason is to get more developers particularly from a very large country like india which has insane numbers of very very smart developers so um, i would love to see more international cooperation and talent coming into this uh though you know you can't force anybody obviously but they they are trying and this is one of those programs um we'll, we'll see what fruit it uh does it, it it makes but uh but so far, it seems to have done a great deal. Um, Blockstream Green now supports single SIG. This is a wallet that's historically a multi-SIG wallet to make it harder to steal money. Uh, the architecture is to have two of two with Blockstream as a counter signer and a lock time single SIG to allow users full control. I've always thought their scheme was great, but having single, uh, but not having single SIG was a flaw. Uh, now they, that they have a hardware wallet, this makes single SIG much more logical. So, um, their wallet always use sort of like two of two. And then I think they use lock times in some way or, uh, sign transaction in case like they go away, you can always still recover your funds and so on. Um, but having single SIG and especially given that they have a hardware wallet makes a lot more sense for this wallet. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see where they go. We, we have another Blockstream story later, which will, is sort of tangentially related to this, but we'll talk about it in a bit. Uh, Lightning. All right. For Lightning Network routing nodes that want to help in the liquidity of El Salvador, uh, OpenNode has published some nodes to open channels with. Given all the enthusiasm around Bitcoin Beach and, the, and companies as large as McDonald's and Starbucks using Lightning, this is a practical way for Lightning node operators to help this grow. I'm still wondering how it is that these companies have integrated Lightning so quickly while the vast majority of exchanges still don't support it. Um, so uh, OpenNode published some, you know, like uh, nodes that it thinks will help in uh, adoption of uh, Lightning or make Lightning smoother by uh, and, you know, 
just connect to those channels. I, I'm sure people on Plebnet have taken note of this and are probably connecting um, and opening, you know, nice channels over there. Uh, but yeah, it, the, this is going to help out and uh, sort of routing everything within El Salvador. And it's a very practical way to get involved and possibly a way to make money. Shinobi goes over the current issues with the Lightning Network. One problem he points out, uh, is, out is that there is a lot of state to store given the, che uh, the cheating counterparties can do. Watchtowers are also problematic because you have to trust someone else to do justice transactions. Similarly, HTLCs are problematic because this puts an upper limit to how many can be enforced on chain. There's much more and a sober, uh, uh, sobering look at Lightning Network. I think these conversations are important and gives us a look into why this stuff is so hard. Incidentally, this is also why altcoins don't really do Lightning. So the issues around Lightning are fairly significant and they are uh, they require a lot of um, you know clever solutions and engineering. Um, and there are more or less open problems um, that, that still need solving. So um, you know, lest you think Lightning is all there and it's wonderful, it is, but there's still problems that need solving. Um, and I thought Shinobi's article definitely gave it very good perspective. River shows the issues they're facing as they scale their Lightning Network integration. Anyone that wants to integrate Lightning should read this post in full as they outline what customers are doing with Lightning, their technical architecture, and their security design. As I mentioned above, Lightning integration has a lot of subtle issues to take into consideration and cannot just be plugged in, at least not yet. So uh, the River post was great because they've been um, you know, allowing Lightning withdrawals for a little bit. Um, and, you know, having that and recognizing, okay, there are different types of users and people that are using it for different things and they need uh, to be catered to a little bit better and so on. So, um, yeah, it, it's a great post to learn more about the, uh, you know, the concerns that, you know, uh, companies like them are facing and so on. Paxful is beta testing the Lightning Network peer-to-peer -peer Bitcoin trading. This will be very useful for privacy as Lightning payments don't leave any on-chain trails. As Lightning Network goes into prime time, this will help with making face-to-face -face trading a lot more friendly from a user experience standpoint. Especially in countries like Africa, where liquidity is a huge thing, I imagine adoption will be significantly faster. So um, Paxful is huge in Africa. They're sort of like the local Bitcoins uh, there. And they are definitely trading, uh, you know, a ton of peer, a uh, ton of Bitcoin peer to peer. Uh, by integrating Lightning, what you allow is for the transactions themselves to be faster in person and so on. So, um, I, I suspect that this will have a big um, part in sort of like just sort of the day to day. Um, I know when I was selling books at uh, at Bitblock Boom. Uh, this was a lot faster than doing on-chain transactions. And that, that user experience actually makes a difference. And especially for exchange trading and so on, and peer-to-peer -peer trading where people might want to store their value in Bitcoin, this, this is going to make a difference. And accessibility and usability are huge, and this is going to make that happen a lot easier. Economics, engineering, etc. El Salvador is going to save... $400 million on remittance fees being the first to declare Bitcoin as legal tender. For certain, this is going to help the people who are receiving money from abroad. But more than that, the infrastructure is now there to trade with people all over the world. The hard thing for a lot of these countries is not 
trade with us per se but with other countries while the domestic adoption is a nice first step the f real benefits are going to be international um so the nice thing for el salvador is that they don't have their own currency that you know other countries have to sort of like convert to and so on and now that they have bitcoin the uh transmission of uh of this money is going to be very quick and so on um i wouldn't be surprised if they start doing a lot more business with china for example and you know be able to get goods and services in uh faster and easier and it'll build up their infrastructure and their economy uh but you know obviously it's going to be like five ten years uh but the remittance thing is is great um they sought to uh sort of spin it as a negative story, but I see it as profoundly positive because it means that Western Union isn't getting this money. It's the people in El Salvador. Gigi explains that big individual adoption happens in stages. He describes the process as starting from buying Bitcoin to ending by dropping fiat money. It sounds obvious, but the mental journey is pretty significant as, and as we'll see in the next story, life-changing. His article is essentially what hyper Bitcoinization looks like from an individual's point of view. So, yeah, there there is there are stages that you go through even as a Bitcoiner. You start by buying Bitcoin and then like stacking Bitcoin all the way until you drop fiat money altogether. Um, I can't say that I'm I'm still I, I'm at that stage quite yet, but um, I hope to be in the future because I think it'll it's uh, much more moral money. Uh, but yeah, that it, it's something that uh, you should be cognizant of and see where the next step is and look to see when that would make sense. Craig Deutsch uh, explains how Bitcoin has changed his life. The main thing from his testimony that I got was that there's something magical about taking responsibility. It changes not just outlook, but lifestyle and habits. Bitcoin being a bare instrument that allows for self-sovereignty ultimately makes taking responsibility a lot more attractive. Um, so there, there's a lot more upside to taking responsibility with Bitcoin than there is with, say, fiat money. And that's uh, that's the main thing that I got out of it. A YouGov poll shows about 20 percent want Bitcoin as legal tender in the United States. This is a surprisingly large number, though I'm not confident that every voter in the poll understands what legal tender actually means. The point here is that there's a lot of good sentiment around Bitcoin, and those that are for Bitcoin tend to be rabid fans. For political purposes, this is going to matter as Bitcoiners become bigger, a bigger and bigger part of the constituency. We are becoming that intolerant minority. Um, so, yeah, 27 percent. I, I was surprised that that's a fairly high number. Um, and, you know, we're we're not at 27 percent penetration. It's, uh, you know, there, there's plenty of people that don't own Bitcoin that I guess are supported as legal tender. It'll be interesting to see uh, how these kinds of numbers uh, evolve. Blockstream announced ASIC product uh, on the on the market in 2022. Their entry into the space is great as they've they're already a pretty successful company. The problem in this industry has been that it's capital intensive and it's very easy to run out of money. The recent acquisition of Spanduli's tech is one of the casualties, was one of the casualties uh, uh, back in the 2015-16 era of this very dynamic. The downside here is that they may have too many products and might take, make it hard for them to focus. So. Um, yeah, they, they're starting ASIC manufacturing, which is a whole discipline in and of itself. Um, you know, they have a hardware wallet, they have a satellite, they have a mining business, they have uh, these 
giant rigs that they're selling to energy companies and uh, they're providing hosting. They're, they're doing all sorts of things. Uh, plus, they're doing liquid and side chains and uh, lightning development and all sorts of stuff. So I do worry about their lack of focus. Uh, but it, the one thing about them is that they have a lot of Bitcoin. So they're well capitalized and in a good position to uh, sort of weather out any sort of bear markets uh, that tend to shake out a lot of mining players. And Spondulis Tech, as I pointed out, was one of those that got shaken out in the 15-16 era. They essentially bought a lot of their rights and they're going to use that to um, create a new uh, new ASIC um, that should be on the market in a year or two. All right, some quick hits. Uh, MasterCard acquired a crypto company. This is not, uh, you know, surprising given that MasterCard is very interested in this space. Um, Ukraine has made Bitcoin legal, um, and that uh, there there's talk about them possibly also adopting it as legal tender as well. Um, and no doubt, this is, uh, you know, in response to some of the things that are going on in other countries. Belarusia is encouraging mining within its borders. So they have some extra power um, and they're saying, hey, like go mine Bitcoin with it. And that seems like a perfectly fine thing to do. Nation states are starting to recognize the value of Bitcoin for energy stability. Uh, Blescomat is a do-it-yourself Bitcoin ATM. Um, and th these things uh, I see at like every gas station, uh, you know, like formal ATMs. But a do-it-yourself one is an interesting concept. So um interest will be see interesting to see where that goes all right some events i'll be in miami for the oslo freedom forum october 3rd to 6th and in atlanta for tabconf on november 4th and 5th i should also mention that i'm going to be at the blockchain summit here in austin october 8th um, i'll put that in my newsletter for next week um, the programming blockchain seminar is in atlanta georgia on november 2nd and 3rd and it's a two-day seminar for programmers to learn about bitcoin which you can apply there um, on programmingblockchain.com. Uh, I also have a few scholarships available to those that can't afford it. So please apply. I always, I'm lacking, uh, you know, scholarship applicants. Podcasts. All right. On this week's Bitcoin Fixes This, I talked to Raheem Tagiz uh, Ta uh, Degan about Austrian economics. I, I'm, I'm sorry that I butchered that. Uh, we discussed the tenets of Austrian economics, uh, how trust is a form of capital, and his free cities project. So really fascinating guy, really understands Austrian economics very thoroughly. I really enjoyed the conversation, um, and it's probably one of my longer podcasts. Please go take a look. I read through last week's newsletter. Um, I talked to Beautiful Bastards about Bitcoin and the Kitman podcast about how Ethereum is a scam. Uh, and my panel from the Faith Driven Investor Conference is up. And Jake Goslin has a nice review of the new book uh, at, on his channel. Um, my other books are The Little Bitcoin Book and uh, Programming Bitcoin. Unchained Capital is a sponsor of this newsletter. I'm an advisor. I'm proud to be a part of a company that's enhancing security for Bitcoin holders. If you need multi-sig, collaborative custody, or Bitcoin native financial services, learn more at unchained.com. Fiat de Linda Est, this song is done.